As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Sunday morning. What a weekend here in St. Louis. That right there on the right is John Hancock. Good morning. And this over here on the left is Michael Kelly. Good morning. Good to see you gentlemen. What a week, huh? Unbelievable. You guys recovered yet from all this? Oh, yeah. No, not yet. No. It'll take a while. It's taken 52 years to get here. <laughs> Big story this week, of course, the St. Louis Blues. As you know by now, it's a story of a team that's captivated the entire nation. The highest rated Stanley Cup match of all time. It's helped transform parts of downtown and it puts St. Louis in the spotlight for all the right reasons. We're going to get John and Michael's thoughts on that coming up. But first, let's talk politics today. We begin with a week of interesting news on national politics. President Trump made news for a number of reasons, one of which was his comment on getting opposition research from a foreign entity. He was on ABC News with George Stephanopoulos where he talked about that and I guess ruffled a lot of feathers. Here's what he had to say. Let's listen in. This is somebody that said, we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work FBI that way. The FBI director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. All right, interested in your thoughts on this, guys. You're experts in the arena of opposition research. John, you're up first on this one. Should they have called the FBI immediately when a foreign entity reaches out and says, we got something here? Uh, I don't know, but it, it, here's the thing. Research, every campaign, is you're going to get calls from people, oh, psst, did you know, I've got information, blah, blah, blah. It almost, I would say, 98% of the time is bogus and, and yields nothing. If you want opposition research in a campaign, Go hire a professional to put it together, and, and that's what campaigns do. Uh, so they, if, you, if you have a good research operation in your campaign, you don't have need to hear from a foreign country or government or some third this, party. This situation was a little different, though, John, because this person disclosed themselves as uh, being a part of the Russian government, that they had some information that they wanted to share. Of course they should have said they'd call the FBI. Now, for the president just to continue to knock down norms, that's fine. We can, can just say everything's okay. Two wrongs make a right. Uh, this just further goes to show you the character of Donald Trump and the kind of administration he's running, especially when we've had a foreign adversary, the second most powerful country on the planet, that's infiltrating our elections, and we just seem to be sitting Well, that's a, that's a problem. I mean, the Russian, Russian meddling in, in our internal affairs is a problem. Uh, I think this whole, you know, I've got scoop on Hillary Clinton business, I think is more evidence of, of a first-time campaign. Uh, you know, it's, I can't think of how many times in our history where the first campaign somebody runs is president of the United States. But these are the kinds of mistakes that a lot of first-time campaigns make because they've not been through it before. I really don't think there was anything nefarious going on here. Uh, and clearly they didn't get any information that had any significance whatsoever from that uh, endeavor. So, you know, I think I kind of chalk it up to a rookie mistake. You know, Michael, maybe we're so far removed from our founding fathers that we forget how big of a deal this was. One of the things that the founding fathers required was for you to be a native-born person to be the president. They understood how important this was. George Washington cautioned against foreign influence. So 
maybe we've forgotten that foreign entities can have a big impact, but we're learning that again, that there, there are nefarious actors. Well, and here. now it's being used as a weapon, a weapon for geopolitical reasons across the entire globe, and it's scary. And to have a president say, even after everything's gone down, the accusations he makes about Hillary's oppo because of Michael Steele, well, it's okay in this instance. No, it's wrong in both instances. It shouldn't happen. And how great would it be if we had a president who stood up for the law? Yeah, and that's a great point, the Steele dossier here, because you know it depends on whose spin you want to believe on this, but really what it was was information uh, that was given to Hillary Clinton's campaign. So similar thing happened, not exactly the same, but it seems to happen more often than we realize. Well, and, and here's the thing that opposition research is not. It's not the repetition of rumors. Psst, did you hear? Uh, there was a hotel room and so forth. No, no. Opposition research is examining somebody's record, looking at how they voted, looking at their rhetoric, seeing how their rhetoric comports to their voting record, uh, getting into all the public documents that are involved in somebody. That's what opposition research is. It's not repetition of rumors and innuendo. You can't use that in a campaign, and it really doesn't have any place in politics. All right, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sounded off on the president's comments regarding this information. Here's what she said about it. Yesterday, the president gave us once again evidence that he does not know right from wrong. It's a very sad thing very sad thing that he does not know right from wrong. You know, John, one more thing here before we move on on this, and I'll play devil's advocate here. If the Trump administration thought the FBI and the CIA was already in Hillary Clinton's corner, which we know is true with at least some of the agents, you wouldn't give that information to somebody if you thought that it was going to be knocked down. Now, I don't know how that timeline works out there, but I can see some concern giving that information to a group that you think is hostile to you anyway. Well, and, and look, at, at the end of the day, Russia meddled in our elections. That needs to get snuffed out. That needs to get investigated. I'm confident that our intelligence community is on that case. Uh, the, the meeting with the Russian agent who is now behind bars, um, you know, that probably shouldn't have happened, but it didn't as result in any kind of real impact on the outcome shouldn't of the election. Shouldn't there be more than just the intelligence community on this? Shouldn't the President of the United States and the Majority Leader of the Senate be on making sure that Russia is going to stop Well, they this? are. That's not the case, Of course John. they are. He won't allow the bill to come to the Senate floor. Uh, of Mitch McConnell and the President, if he spent 1% of the time he t does talking about no collusion, no corruption, and you know whatever his little talking points of the day are as it relates to going after Russia, Boy, that'd be a significant investment. Look, they, they have taken already profound steps at working with states to safeguard their voter registration lists and make sure that the election day activity and the vote counting, uh, all of that is under the auspices of the United States intelligence uh, apparatus, and that's a good thing, and we must protect our elections, and I think the government's very committed to it. One more for you, Michael, before we move on. George Will was on CNN this week, and he said something interesting. He said the current president isn't interested in conservative ideas or any ideas. He just wants his agenda to be accomplished. What do you think about that? Well, I, I don't think that that's a surprise. I think we've had that conversation. Donald Trump is the furthest thing from a true conservative. On some issues, he's way right of conservative, and on some issues, like tariffs, He's way left of conservatism. This man's not a conservative. He's not even a Republican. He's a populist, but most importantly, he's a Donald Trumper. Anything Donald Trump is the only thing that matters to this man. And I think it's some of the psychosis that we're seeing happen over the last week or two. All right, one more big story. The president did get a big victory this week when it comes to Mexico, immigration, and trade. The U.S. has reached at least a partial agreement with Mexico that heads off the start of those tariffs that rattled Wall Street recently. Mexico will now help stop illegal immigration on their side of the border while also taking back many of the migrants who are seeking asylum until their claims can be processed. 
One thing being reported, this is very interesting. Mexico's president is selling his private jet, just like this one, a Boeing 787 Dreamliner, to help fund the Mexican immigration deal with President Trump. So, John, over to you on this one. People may not like the president's tactics. Once again, effective with some unusual negotiation tactics. Well, look, this is a win. Uh, the, he used the threat of tariffs. They, they brought Mexico to the table. They reached an agreement. And whatever you may think of, of, of what's going on at the southern border, it is a crisis. And uh, they have the Mexican government step in and, and keep some of the asylum seekers on their side of the border uh, and to help out in this. Uh, this is a win for Donald Trump. Well, we're still waiting for the biggest win, which was he was going to have them build the wall. Well, that's not going to happen. He wants us to pay for it now. Look, we heard how great this was that the president was going to go visit with the dictator in North Korea. And look where we sit now. The president likes to have these big splashy moments with no substance behind them. There's no proof. And in six months, we'll be sitting here saying, wow, Donald Trump failed again just like he did in North Korea. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the top story this week was, of course, the St. Louis Blues. The season read like a Hollywood script, but it goes much deeper than that for St. Louis. This isn't just about sports. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Historic week in St. Louis, almost unbelievable. In fact, played out like a Hollywood script, so I wrote a movie script about it. We're going to talk about it right after this. I'm not sure you're going to believe this, though. In this movie, I'd begin with the struggling team that's even fighting among themselves. They've never won the Stanley Cup. Heck, they haven't even been to the finals in nearly 50 years, despite so many stars over the years. I'd put that team in last place in the NHL halfway through the season and then fire the coach. It's not all on Mike, but ultimately, as the head coach, you're, you're responsible to, to get the team to play at a level. Then I'd bring in a guy that very few people even know. I'm demanding, but I'm fair. I'd promote a rookie goalie who would get miraculously hot. Domi to Mete, and what a save! Unbelievable save by Jordan Biddy, 10! And lead the team to the playoffs. I'd have one playoff series go to seven games and win it in double overtime with a hometown boy making the final shot against his friend and fellow hometown player now playing for the competition. I'd have the ref steal another game in overtime by an obvious infraction that wasn't called. There's the hand pass. After that hand pass, I'd have my team outscore the competition 12 to two over the next three games. Hi, I'm John Hamm. Then I'd have one of the hottest Hollywood stars as the team's biggest fan. I'd even have him go on Jimmy Kimmel's show to rally support for the team nationwide. The Blues beat the Sharks 5 to nothing. So for a 3-2 series lead, they need one more win to get to the Stanley Cup final. The first time that they will have made the Stanley Cup finals in my lifetime. I'd also write a storyline about how the other professional sports team in town, who everybody loves, start showing up at games to cheer them on. Let's go, During one playoff game, I'd even write in a tornado into the script that would cancel that baseball game. The National Weather Service tells us they're considering issuing a tornado warning for the city of St. Louis. That way, the entire city would be forced inside to focus on the clinching game of the Western Conference Finals. Then I'd have them play the team that beat them 49 years ago from Boston, no less. And just to make it a little more Hollywood, I'd also include a little girl battling a life-threatening illness who was befriended by the team. She would survive and go on to be at the playoff games. Is it a blues game? <laughs> oh. 
Would it end? I'd have the team win their first ever Stanley Cup Finals game in overtime, no less. We want the cup. We want the cup. On their first chance to close out the series, I'd pack more than 100,000 people into downtown St. Louis. Only as a plot twist, though, because this movie has to go seven games. Back to Chara again. Sailed down and in. And Zdeno Chara has made it five to one. And in game seven, in true Hollywood fashion, this script ends in the only way possible. A storybook ending to an unbelievable season set to a song from the past. Ladies and gentlemen, Gloria on a big screen near you. Still get chills. I put the piece together and I've seen it 50 times and I still get chills. We'll start with you. What a week we just yeah. experienced. What a special uh, uh, event. You know, I got to be downtown for some of the games for the way that downtown was all set up, the happiness that was on people's faces. And the night we won, I walked over from my office over to uh, the Enterprise Center and the faces of people, I mean, black, white, young, old, all parts of St. Louis, it was just a really special moment, and I hope it's an energy that we can keep here for a while. Yeah, you know, you think politics is important. It's what we do for a living. And there's a, I think there's a tendency to think that sports is just a frivolous, you know, pastime. Uh, sports is important. Mm -hmm. and, and what sports can do and is doing for this community is just phenomenal. And um, St. Louis will never be the same again because of what has happened here. And that's an incredible story, John. I mean, this, this two-month playoff affair, there's no other sport that has a two-month playoff. Crazy. And, uh, you know, 63 days from start to finish. It's just phenomenal. And I, I tell you what, this put on a good face on St. Louis and put us in the right spotlight for, for a lot of reasons we haven't seen. I don't know if you guys had that video of the uh, uh, Bush Stadium in the rain there. Yeah. That, that video has been, so many people called me around the country saying, my gosh, what's going on in your town? There's not even a game there. It's pouring rain and your people are out in it. I mean, this, that's the kind of face that St. Louis needs to have for the world. Well, there's no doubt about it, right? Most of the headlines that we get are unfavorable and that's, uh, that's not good, whether it be political scandals, whether it be regional strife, murders. To be able to have our city front and center for a couple of weeks there was really great. But I think the most lasting impression that will come for this is something that we as St. Louisans need to take, which is a little bit of optimism about ourselves. Right. So the most pessimistic people you'll ever meet are people who are from St. Louis. And we had good reason to be pessimistic about this Blues team. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the, the narrative that somehow St. Louis was a bad sports town that Stan Kroenke tried to foist upon us right. has been blown to smithereens. Uh, what, a, what a town, what a team, what a weight, what a celebration. It's just, it's glorious, Brown. It certainly is, yeah. I've, one of the memes that I love this going around says we got rid of one Stan, Kroenke, <laughs> and brought the other Stan home, Stanley Cup, and that's the way it needs to be. But what a good face we put on. 
because downtown St. Louis, you know this, Michael, you live there, all the construction taking place, that's what, I mean, that's millions of dollars in advertising that the city cannot right. do unless you have the Stanley Cup. And that's what thousands upon thousands of people who came down and saw what downtown has to offer. It is the core of our entire region. I don't care if you live in Wentzville, Missouri, or O'Fallon, Illinois. The city of St. Louis and downtown St. Louis is what makes our whole region go. And to get to show it off that way was awesome. Yeah, what a great week we all just lived through. Well, still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, we're going to talk crime in St. Louis, though. No, don't turn the channel. Don't turn the channel. It's another part of the blues story that needs to be told. Let's do some news potpourri today on Hancock and Kelly. I want to begin with a different angle on the blues here. You saw the huge crowds in town for the Stanley Cup Finals. Copious amounts of alcohol, you know that. One thing that wasn't there, though, crime. There were no arrests. St. Louis police report there was not a single arrest in regard to the incidents after the game. We had Sky Fox up looking all over the area. I would have been shocked if we reported, oh, there are only 50 arrests. Zero is another unbelievable part of the story, Michael. Yeah, that's absolutely. And, you know, here we are patting ourselves on our back because people behaved well. Right. I mean, that's kind of a little crazy. But it was. It was a, it's not been the case in other places. I was down in the midst of it after we won. And let me tell you, the Missouri Highway Patrol was there. The St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department was there. The St. Louis County Police Department was there. They understood people were out celebrating. Mm -hmm. People weren't obeying all the laws. They were hanging out windows. They were celebrating. And kudos to our law enforcement, who not only the night of the game, but the night of the parade facilitated all the fun that we had. They had fun, too. I, the, a yeah, lot of the officers of I spoke with down there, they were enjoying it part of the moment, not fully in the moment. but Yeah, look, do we have a crime problem in St. Louis? Yeah. We do. Uh, but this is a great community, and it's full of great neighborhoods and great people. You know, the Midwest value set that we exude, the friendliness that St. Louisans possess and, and demonstrate to the world, all of that comes shining through here. Uh, what's happened with the St. Louis Blues is going to have a long-term positive effect on this city. Michael, I can't tell you how good it felt to walk through our city after these games, thousands of people out, seeing all that construction, and not once did I fear for my safety down there. No. no. Neither did anybody else. It shows getting people back drives out the crime. That's the key. It's helpful that there were people there because unfortunately the in downtown right. St. Louis sometimes in the nighttime there's not many people there. That was awesome. And for the first time that I can remember in a long time, the arch was properly lit. <laughs> that aggravates the heck out of me that we've got that beautiful sculpture that we fail to light 24-7. Well, and then, I mean, you think about so many stories here, too. Like I said, most of the people who are at our venues were... 25, 35, maybe 40, right? Those are the key demographic who are going to buy those condos and move into those places, That's John. Right. So again, we've talked time and again, it's bigger than sports, just like you said. Well, it is, and, and sports is a big part of the lifeblood of a community, and uh, man, we got it going on. And a lot of people down there. All right, one more political story here for these guys to sound off on. In a rare move, Missouri Governor Mike Parson is going to hand off power to his lieutenant governor. According to our partners at The Poach, Mike Kehoe is going to step in while Parson is on an overseas trip beginning on June 23rd. That means Kehoe can sign legislation, some. However, Kehoe cannot pardon prisoners. There are other things he can't do. Parson's going to return from his trip in July. Uh, John, I'll let you go first on this one. The governor, interesting move. A lot of times this doesn't happen. 
Well, he's got the opportunity. Uh, the Paris Air Show is going on. Boeing's got a huge presence there. It's big for the state of Missouri, and uh, the governor's going to be there. And Mike Keogh, uh, very capable hands uh, in the state of Missouri's end with Mike Keogh. Not much is going to happen. It's important that the governor go to the air show. There are so many businesses and manufacturers related to the aircraft construction industry, not only in St. Louis, but across the entire state. The amount of folks who supply to Boeing is so important and it's such a big revenue generator for our city and for our state. Hopefully we can sell some more planes and get them flying right. Yeah, more jobs in St. Louis. Still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, it is time for their final thoughts. Stick around for that. It is time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. You're up first, sir. You know, one of the untold or, well, it's been told, but uh, I hope we don't forget the very special job that Charles Glenn did and what he meant to the St. Louis Blues. Here's a guy, immensely talented, uh, brought the anthem to life for 19 years. Uh, he is an icon in St. Louis. He sung his last national anthem. Uh, at Enterprise Center uh, in the last home game of the season, the year the Blues win the Stanley Cup. He's getting a ring. Kudos to Charles Glenn, and thanks for the year. Another one of those stories that needs to be in the movie, just like the guys from Philly you had on the radio this week. They're another part of it. Yeah. Your thoughts? You know, in this day of social media, it doesn't matter if you wish everybody a happy Sunday or a happy Father's Day. There's going to be snarky comments that come thereafter. Felt like for three weeks here, as we all focused on the Blues, the nonsense stopped. Right. Uh, we weren't focused on negativity. We had issues, but we were excited. And these guys should then show up at OB Clark's. This city made a difference in that fight. Look at them going all the way out there to the county, throwing a party and sharing it. They are truly the people's champs. How nice was it for everybody in the St. Louis area, the whole Midwest, heck, the whole country, to be on the same page against Boston? <laughs> <laughs> that's what made it so sweet hey thanks for watching hancock and kelly today if you missed any part of the show you can download it right there on your smartphone have a great day we'll see you back here next sunday and chris wallace is coming up next